The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name, that happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to feature episode number six of the two-man power trip if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner on the two-man power trip the one and only jp john paz and today we dedicate this entire feature episode number six to mean gene Okerlund, who passed away last week and with mean gene's passing it is an absolute gut blow to professional wrestling knowing that he is no longer with us, but we get to keep those memories alive by paying tribute to him like we are on today's episode. And we welcome in this week in WWE host as well as sports anchor on WPIX in New York City, Emmy Award winning Scott Stanford joining feature episode number six. And Scott was an absolute perfect pick to join us on this tribute episode as he got to spend a lot of time with Mean Gene over the last 10 years as he's worked for WWE doing a multitude of shows and having different roles whether he's working as a pre and post game show host on the WWE Network or being live for the pay-per-views or even doing some backstage interviewing as well as even some play-by-play. So Scott Stanford in a 10-year period has really done a lot for WWE and not to overshadow the great career he's had because I personally... I do love his work. I, I've, known, I've known Scott Stanford for quite a while. Used to uh, work in the same building that he did. Got to see the hard work that he put in. And uh, now getting to talk to him about his career, it, it's bittersweet because we have to focus on the sadness that is the loss of me and Gene. So we hope with this episode you really do enjoy it. We've rushed this one out because how can we deny 
not paying tribute to Mean Gene in the proper way. And even though we've got a giant four-year anniversary show coming up, we have to take the time now and pay tribute to Mean Gene Okerlund because I'll speak for John here, I can speak for myself, I'll speak for all the wrestling fans of the 1980s. Mean Gene was the staple of those shows in the 1980s and 1990s, whether he was hosting the platform interview segments, whether he was hosting the event center, whether he was introducing all the different market matches. And if you were in New York, you got to see the Nassau Coliseum promotion and the Meadowlands promotion and the MSG promotion. And even up into Boston, we saw some of that promotion as well. And it was just so cool to see Mean Gene every week interviewing your favorite superstars, talking about their matches And he is the one, if you've heard some of the releases and some of the interviews that have come out since his passing, he was the one that brought the best out of everybody. And of course you think of the Hulkster, you think of Hulk Hogan, you think of, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, and we've lost that. And it's very sad, but we will live on in the memory of Mean Gene. The clips are immortalized, the footage is immortalized, so whether you check it out on YouTube or you check it out on the WWE Network, please go out of your way to pay tribute to Mean Gene Okerlund. He is an absolute asset to the wrestling business that we can never, ever replace. And it's very sad to see him go. So with all that being said, let's wrap it up here. Let's throw it on over to Scott Stanford and this feature episode number six. Stay tuned later on in this week as we will return with the Triple Threat podcast. And we'll get to hear Shane Douglas and his comments on Mean Gene. Because I know he's got a lot to say about his relationship with Mean Gene as well as what we've got going on for our four-year anniversary show. We've got a giant guest in store for you with our four-year anniversary, where we will also pay tribute to Mean Gene on that show as well. So the Mean Gene Retrospective Week kicks off here with feature episode number six with the one and only Scott Stanford. tonight is a man who I wish we were talking to him in not so sad circumstances tonight but I'm I'm so excited to have him on the line he's a sports anchor for WPIX in New York he's a studio host for the WWE for this week in WWE he is the one and only Scott Stanford Mr. Stanford thank you for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling Oh, gentlemen, it's great to be here. You forgot to mention seven Emmys, but we'll fly. It's okay. I'll let you fly. See, that's my se- that's my follow up line. I usually I save the awards for the second line. <laughs> Sorry, right. my wife uses uses those for door stoppers these days, so don't worry. <laughs> well, listen, like I said at the top, I'm excited to have you on the show, but we are coming off of a very sad day in professional wrestling, especially for those in the broadcasting realm and anybody who grew up in the 1980s with the passing 
of Mean Gene Okerlund. And I want to get to Mean Gene in just a second here, but I want to start with you. You've got such an awesome career going. You're, you're rocking and rolling in New York City on WPIX, the legendary WPIX, as well as still working for WWE, doing the studio show this week in WWE. I just want to know, how do you manage all that? That is one hell of a workload. Um, <laughs> you know what the amazing thing is? All these I've, I've been with WWE now almost 10 years. Uh, and before picks, I was at NBC and never have the two interfered with each other ever. Uh, most of the time when I'm broadcasting in New York, I'm working at night uh, and all of the WWE uh, pr- you know, production up on the studio is done you know, earlier in the morning till mid-afternoon. So I'll get up nice and early. I'll go up to Stanford, Connecticut. I'm, I actually covered three or four states, I think, in the span of two hours. Uh, I'll go from New Jersey through New York to Connecticut up to Stanford, bang out a couple of uh, studio shows, get back in the car and come down to uh, PIX11 back in New York City. So it, it, the timing works out perfectly. I never have to tell either master that I can't make something or another or else I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> and hell yeah, if you got a track record of almost 10 years with WWE, then you definitely know how to manage that time correctly because that is one hell of a commitment. I know the television studio very well. And to do that drive, especially in that drive time, that is in itself is uh, is is quite the haul. But also with WPIX, I mean, I can't say enough about growing up watching WPIX and watching Sal Marciano at night uh, doing oh, his thing. Lord. So of course, you know, it's a coveted spot. So again, it's one of those things you're working for two of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, there was at one point uh, when when I don't know if you guys remember, we used to do the Raw and SmackDown pre-shows. Uh, at 7.30 on the WWE Network, myself, Corey Graves, and, and Booker T, uh, and the King. So I would come to picks, do the 5 and 6 o'clock shows. I would run to Grand Central Station, jump on the train, and, and the train would take me to Stanford by about 7 o'clock. I would run in the studio, do the pre-show with them till 8 o'clock, and then a car would take me back down to picks to do the, the 10 o'clock show. Um, so that's when, you know, it got a little hairy, but, uh, I survived it. <laughs> I'm still going, I'm still going strong. No, oh, that's fantastic. And I will kind of segue into what we were talking about, the sad news of the week. And it is the passing of Mean Gene Okerlund. And I was able to see the tribute that you did for him on PIX11 last night, which we're recording this in real time. This is the day after the news broke that Mean Gene passed away. What were your first thoughts after hearing the news? Obviously, the sadness as a, a coworker, but also I know growing up you were a big fan, so the sadness of kind of uh, somebody you watched as you were growing up and kind of getting into the business. Yeah, you know what? Mean Gene was, uh, he, he was my idol. And, and when it came down yesterday morning, I was actually at WWE, uh, and, and I walked into one of the executives' offices just to you know, say, Happy New Year, how you been? Uh, and he just got the text that, that Gene had passed away. Um, so as I was walking in, he looked up at me and said, you know, Gene Okerlund just died or he, he passed away last night and they just found out. Uh, and it was just, it's one of those things where, you know, when you hear someone that you know or someone that you, you, you know, a relative or someone that you're in love with passes away and you just get that, that, that frozen uh, you just like you, you freeze in your tracks, like it's almost surreal and you have to process it for a second. And when I realized what he had said, I was, I was just like, Oh man, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, and it just as, just as, you know, like this wave of depression comes over your body. And I had seen, 
uh, Mean Gene about a month ago because he comes up to Stanford uh, once a month. He was coming up to shoot a show called Vintage that airs on the WWE Network with Charlie Caruso. Uh, and Gene, you know, he the last couple of times he showed up, he wasn't feeling well. Uh, he didn't look well. Uh, you know, we all knew that, 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 you know, he didn't look great and he had a lot of you know problems standing up problems with his legs. Um, and, you know, just to hear what happened, uh, it really it put a damper on everything uh, everybody was doing in the studio yesterday, because believe me from, you know, from, from, from the, the guy who, who the security guard at the door, to the last producer, um, he is, uh, just beloved by everyone. Yeah, John and I also just saw Mean Gene uh, Thanksgiving weekend down in North Carolina, and it just he was sitting the whole time, so obviously we couldn't see if he was having any real problems, but you could arguably say that he did have the biggest crowd, the longest line, uh, because he was that staple. He's everybody's childhood if you grew up in the 1980s, and then even the fans from the 90s recognize him from his time in WCW. He was a huge part of the Monday Night Wars. But what did he still bring to the table in terms of what he was doing for WWE up until his passing? Because still, obviously, the knowledge is still there. Obviously, his experience is still there. But what does he kind of bring to the table for somebody working in the WWE now and trying to, you know, learning the ropes on their own? Well, I got to tell you, you know, there was there was no better broadcaster slash interviewer than Mean Gene. And I was explaining it to somebody yesterday here at Pix 11 when they asked me, you know, what made this guy so special. When he said your name, he made you sound like a superstar. And the one thing at WWE is when you're an interviewer, your job is to put the talent over, make them look bigger than they are. Uh, and, and when Gene Oakland said your name, it was just, it was almost like putting your name in lights on a marquee. And, and growing up, like you guys said, in the mid-80s, I was in high school and college watching him do his thing. I would imitate me, Gene, you know, any microphone I could find. I would go, all right, Hulk Hogan, come on in. You know, and then I would stand in front of a camera. This Monday night, Madison Square Garden, it's going to be the macho man, Randy Savage. And I would try to emulate him. So whenever I, when I got to meet him, and then I would see him at the WrestleManias and the big events, We'd walk into the same room and I'd say, I'd go, all right, me, Gene, come on in. And he would, you know, right back, hey, Scotty, how you, you know, how's the news business? And it was just, like we'd start talking to each other in his voice. And it was just, it was just amazing. If you go on YouTube and, and look at Mean Gene's videos with the, I mean, you could literally sit there for hours and watch the diff, how funny he was and his, his expressions and just his movements and, the way he would handle the Hulk Hogan's and Macho Man's of the world, uh, it, you could watch that. You know, we were just watching him uh, yesterday. He was he was teaching Bobby the Brain how to play golf, and it was it was almost like Abbott and Costello. It was just it was phenomenal. Um, so you just you know those days, the, the the old school WWE days, which you don't see today, where the interviewers have very limited roles. Uh, he was literally part of the show. He was just as part of that show as as the superstars were themselves. And not only that, I mean, everybody knows Hulk Hogan. They stay Mean Gene because those two were linked together through three companies over the span of 20 plus years. And basically, the two of them were like peanut butter and jelly. When you say, uh, you know, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, you know exactly who said it. Oh, yeah. But now when you're getting into your career, is that something you kind of aspire for is to have that link? So whereas you may work for a network and people remember you as, hey, well, he was the sports guy at WPIX. 
People think of a wrestler and they think of a mean gene. Did you think getting into the business that you were going to try to find somebody that you would be identified with like a mean gene was? Uh, well, you know what? When I first got into uh, WWE, there were, you know, when I was, I was getting, uh, I was doing interviews on Raw and I was doing uh, the play-by-play, the commentary on WWE superstars and all that good stuff. But, you know, I got, I had a chance to do everything there and still doing it. Um, you know, there were people, there would be people who would, write to me on Twitter or social media and say, you remind me of Mean Gene. And that was just, you know, the ultimate compliment anybody could ever get. Cause I think I probably try to be just like Gene when I would interview somebody, uh, you know, with a Randy Orton uh, or a big show, I would, I would probably even change my voice a little bit, just out of habit to try and sound like him. Um, but it's just, you know, there, there, there's only one, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping one day when it's all said and done, when, when the new people come up, they could say, Hey, you remind me of that Scott Stanford guy. He was pretty good. <laughs> now, you know, we're talking about me and Gene and everything else. And were you a huge wrestling fan growing up? Is that like kind of was your goal to get into the business and be mean Gene? Was that always uh, you know, a thought in your mind? You love the wrestling business. I, guys, if you, I have a video online when I was about 18 years old, when my, my older brother got one of the first video cameras that came out, he was a, into the video business. We have that thing set up. Uh, and I, we, we had him walk in on a box. So he looks like he's about seven feet tall. We called him the star man. <laughs> and I think I have a poster behind us, you know, Pedro Morales takes on Mil Mascaris, one of those posters behind me. And I'm literally standing there on camera with my brother who looks like, you know, seven feet tall. And I'm absolutely emulating mean gene because we were huge wrestling fans. Um, you know, my grandparents used to take us to the garden. Uh, I remember Monday nights, uh, you can, you know, Monday, you know, now you have, you have pay-per-views every week, you have champions every week, uh, you know, wrestling on air, you know, back when we were watching it, if you remember when Howard Finkel was the ring announcer, when that when that that microphone would come down from the ceiling of Madison Square Garden, once a month on Monday nights at the Garden, that is when the big matches happened, and you had to have, you had you could only watch them on closed circuit TV. That was like the pay per view back then. So you know you only saw the Bruno San Martinos of the world being interviewed. Okay, during the week on the weekly Saturday morning shows, you would never see those guys wrestle. You'd only see them wrestle on those Monday nights so that the storylines would all get built up through the interviews and the attacks here and there. Um, but they would only compete on Monday nights once a month at the garden is when you would see them actually in action on TV. So, I, you know, I remember the boot camp match between uh, Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik. I remember at Shea Stadium, you had Bruno San Martino and Larry Zabisco in the steel cage match. Uh, so yeah, no, we, we were big wrestling fans growing up. And then when I saw me, Gene, and I wanted to be a broadcaster, I said, that's my guy. That's who I'm going to be when I grow up. So I'm still working on it, but I'm hoping, I hope to get there one day. <laughs> so seven Emmys later, I don't know. You're, you're kind of getting close. I'm, getting I'm, <laughs> now, as far as you're saying, you, know, you want to be mean Gene, what was it like when you actually got to work with me, Gene? I mean, that was kind of cool. And you guys got to play off of each other a bit. Yeah, no, he was he he was great. I mean, me and Gene, I said this to you know, as big as he was, known all over the world. Anytime you needed him to do something for you, he was there. I mean, the guy did not have an ego about him. Nicest guy in the world. 
you know, I remember when we were doing uh, it, when, when Zach Ryder and I were doing his the true Long Island story and we were doing bits and pieces. Uh, you know, I grabbed Gene at the studio a couple of times to do things for us. And I just remember the first time I met him, I think was maybe WrestleMania 27 or 28, uh, maybe in Miami, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. And I just walked into the green room and saw him sitting there on a couch. I plopped down next to him and I said, me, Gene, you've been my hero since I'm a kid. And we just, we hit it off since then. Every time I saw him, hey, Scotty, you know, that's the way he would, he would hmm. say it. And I just, you know, I would even, I would tell my wife, you know, I, I, who, has, who has no idea who he was at the time. I said, you don't, you can't even understand what that means to me that I'm hanging out. Now this guy's a friend of mine. Uh, you know, who I watched on TV all those years in high school and college. So it's kind of surreal. You get used to it after a while, but it's still very surreal uh, at the time. Very, very cool. And it's awesome to kind of work with the hero and kind of work with him. And I always thought with you, when you had him on, you know, you did that funny thing about Zack Ryder. I always thought that Zack Ryder might have been your Hulk Hogan, right? I mean, you were trying to kind of get him over with his show and doing little little bits and pieces behind the scenes and even on YouTube. Yeah, listen, I'll tell you what. You know, those were the days where I was showing up to do WWE Superstars, which we shoot. Uh, we were shooting before Raw every week. Um, and when those shows were over... You know, Zach, we'd go back and shoot our stuff. And I mean, we would just, you know, with Dolph Ziggler and all the other guys who are back there. And those, his Z True Long Island stories, I think, got me more over than anything else I was doing at the time. Because, I mean, he was getting 200,000, 300,000 views on YouTube on those shows. And you know how popular Zach became there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, before every house show, before every Raw, every SmackDown, all you heard was, We Want Ryder. If you remember, you had the rock in the ring at Madison Square Garden. They were chanting, we want Ryder with the rock in the ring doing a promo. So I yes. think the yep. Long Island stories are really kind of it catapulted me into the, the WWE universe public eye, if you will. Uh, so I, we, we really, you know, we, I mean, you don't get paid extra to do it. It was just something we had a lot of fun doing. We were shooting it on a, on a phone. Uh, so it was just, you know, all, all these fun things we're doing and he would go home and edit it during the week. And it was just, you know, it was, a, it was a blast, a lot of fun. Hey, we were there survivor series, 2011, the rock, uh, <laughs> that was great. Obviously him and Cena versus the Miz and truth, but everyone, right. Chance, right. We want Ryder join that promo. It was great. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Now we also saw a different side of you, maybe, uh, the heel side of you, so to speak, as you were playing rot. And you had that cool ah, jacket yeah. as well. Remember. <laughs> yes. yes, that was my one heel turn, and then I, I turned back very quickly. People still looking to find. I say I, he, he's in a in a hot tub in Vegas with a couple of hookers. Rock. That's where he's been for the last. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that something that just was like something like the WWE had said, or is it just something that you just come up with on your own? Like, yeah, or you and Zach kind of come up with. Like, I'm just going to try to you know play different characters, can't throw this around. Oh yeah, no, no, play. nobody. Nobody, that was his own thing. And, and we would, you know, during the week we would talk and I'd say, Hey, why don't we do this? Let's do a commercial for, you know, Zach Ryder's bro nuts and, uh, you know, broski in a bottle and all these funny things. And, and then he would just put it out. You know, nobody would, uh, nobody ever looked at it to tell us what we were, you know, if we could do it or not, we just did it. Hope for the best. Now, when you're doing that and you show that to me and Gene, what's, what's his reaction to the show? Did he like it? Did he like the internet championship and all that stuff? Or did he give you any you know, funny one-liner, any, any zingers about it? 
Oh, you know what? Not that I remember. I just, I remember him. He knew about the show. Uh, cause when I told him what we were doing, he had heard about it. Um, but he, and then obviously I probably showed him some things on the phone, but you know, listen, this is a guy who's a, who's a legend. You know, he, he gets on a plane, shows up, does his on cameras, has some dinner and goes back. Um, you know, so that's, uh, you know, Gene was kind of, uh, you know, doing his own thing and, you know, he was already, you know, past the point of, of, of caring really about what anybody thought. Uh, and really, you know, what, what the hot things were going on around him at the time. Um, just listen, you, the only thing you could say about me, Gene, is he was just, you know, at a, if you want to rate him on a scale of one to 10, he was a 15 as far as, as great guys go. That's all I could tell you. As far as Mean Gene, what is kind of because everyone always has a great Mean Gene story. It's funny, you know, you talk to this old school wrestler, he's got a funny Mean Gene story. Some Mean Gene stories that maybe we can't even air, you know, they're very, very funny, very good. Maybe a little too edgy, <laughs> we can't air it, believe it or not. But, you know, what's your favorite kind of Mean Gene story with yourself? Um, you know, it's hard to remember. I, I didn't get to spend that much time with him. Uh, aside from seeing him at the WrestleManias or um, uh, or seeing him up at the studio very, you know, very briefly, we would hang out and just just chuckle. Um, but, you know, the huge thing that will always just stand out in my mind is just me doing his impression and then him, you know, coming right back at me, you know, like it was nothing. You know, yeah, that's not really a good impression of me, he would say. And then he would go, you've got to do it like this. You know, All right, Scott Stanford, come on in. You know, and I was just all right, Gino, this Monday night, Madison Square Garden. You know, we, we just go back and forth. But uh, that that's what I'll that's I'll always remember about my personal experience with him. Just a just a genuine guy. And he always and he always complimented me, told me what, you know, things I was doing were great. Uh, and just always just a complimentary guy. You know, you, you sound great. You look how great your tie looks today. He was just, a, you know, never a negative word out of that man. Now, as far as me and G, there's so many awesome moments. I mean, you mentioned the thing with him and Bobby Heenan with golf. And I mean, I remember Andre putting his hand over Mean Gene's face and covered up his whole face, couldn't see it. I mean, you got the classic, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, you know, the Hogan or Mean, woo, by God, Gene. Yeah. With Flair. I mean, there's so right. many good ones. What's your kind of favorite, like, Mean Geneism? I think, well, it's, it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be Hulk, right? You know, well, you know, brother me, Gene. And, and I mean, just, you know, just the way the guys would include him into whatever promo they were doing. Uh, you know, we were watching yesterday when, when, uh, macho man comes with the, with the coffee creamer and he was talking about, Oh yeah, the cream rises to the top. <laughs> and just, you know, you look at Gene's face and he just, we, there was another one where he started interviewing, uh, I forget who it was. Uh, I just lost. I just lost the track of who he was interviewing. But he, he looks off camera and he's, he says to somebody, "Put out that cigarette. There's no smoking here." Right in the middle of the person's interview, and it was just, we, were, we were cracking up. And dude, you know why it's funny? Because he's so deadpan, and his voice is so booming uh, that it just makes it funnier. Now he, he was the perfect straight guy for that stuff. Yes, Royal Rumble '92 after Flair wins the title. With uh, you got you know you got. Mr. Perfect, Flair, Bobby Heenan, even that Jack Tunney it. there. And, the, yeah, yeah, deadpan. Yeah. Put that cigarette out. <laughs> right. Put that cigarette out. <laughs> that was good. It's just, it's just great. It's just great stuff. You know, the, the golden oldie days of uh, the old school days of WWE. Just fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, just it's just awesome. And it's awesome that you're kind of an old school guy 
with a new school flavor. And obviously, you know, we talked about Emmy Awards and everything else. You know, what is, what is your kind of your the favorite job that you've had with WB? Because you've done so much and obviously you've done so much in sports and NBC and WPIX. And, you know, we're talking about the Emmy Award winning and everything else. What's your favorite job you've had within WWE? My favorite that that's easy because my favorite uh, moment at WWE and I've, you know, I have a ton of them. Um, but my favorite one was uh, WrestleMania 29 at MetLife Stadium. We did the first pay-per-view pre-show, which back then were like on, you know, YouTube and Facebook and all that other stuff together. And it was myself. Uh, it was Jr., Kofi Kingston, and uh, Dusty Rhodes. You know, that was my one moment with Dusty Rhodes as well. Uh, and we did the, the pre-show inside that stadium at MetLife. Uh, and it was just, it was just phenomenal. I mean, 75,000 people chanting for Dusty and JR and they're swarming us for autographs and pictures and just, you know, it was just, you know, the electricity in the building was phenomenal. Uh, and that, that'll always be, uh, and then we did the post show as well. That, that'll always be, uh, I think my favorite night in WWE. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. Hey, we're coming back to MetLife in uh, not too short time in April 7th. So we're right around the corner from another WrestleMania in the great state of uh, New Jersey, the beautiful Garden State. But, Scott, as we wrap it up here, we really appreciate you coming on with us tonight. And uh, next time you come on, I'll make sure that I mention you getting that eighth Emmy Award because I'm sure that's coming up (laughs) on the horizon for you. But to just kind of wrap up the Mean Gene talk, if fans are going to look back at Mean Gene's career, what do you think the one thing they'll remember about Mean Gene is? Uh, the one thing they should remember about Mean Gene is uh, greatest interviewer slash announcer. Not commentator, because he wasn't a commentator. Greatest interviewer slash announcer, WWE history. There'll never be another Mean Gene Oakland. Uh, perfectly said. And Scott, now like I said, as we wrap it up, please share with the listeners of the two-man power trip where they can find everything going on in the world of the great Scott Stanford, if they're not already linked into that WWE network and watching you every week, but where can the fans and the listeners find Scott Stanford? You could find me uh, all the time on WWE network at Scott Stanford one on Twitter. I think uh, at Scott Stanford one on Instagram. And then of course, picks 11 at uh, six and 10 every, every weeknight. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully get to talk to you again down the road and uh, talk a little bit more about those glory days of uh, Mean Gene and the, uh, the WWE in the 80s. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.